0: To the Andrea Kay show, she's blonde, five foot two,
1: and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I win that fight.
2: TNT, I'm a
1: power load. (laughs) TNT.
3: That just never gets old, just like it never gets old, spending this time with you all. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. Thrilled to be with you. Yeah, I'm I'm still fighting a little bit of that chest cold, but you know what? It ain't going to get me down, and I want to thank you all for joining me. Thank you to my buddy, Polly, who's in the booth. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. And you know what, speaking of going, we're going everywhere in tonight's Andrea K. Show. We're going from here to Pakistan and Afghanistan. We're going south of the border. We're covering it all here. We got much ground to cover today on the show because we're going to be covering the two most important issues going into this election that the voters have said are most important to them, whether it's been primaries for Democrats or Republicans from South Carolina all the way to South Dakota, and that is the war on terror the radical Islamic jihad being waged against America and the economics that are going on in this country. Joining me in this hour to discuss this will be Robert Spencer. You've seen him all over the media from CNN to Fox News and others. He's going to be on to talk about the radical jihadist movement against us. We've got my buddies, Julie Brennan and Al Arias who are going to be here to talk about economics and to set the stage for the first debate on which both of these topics are going to be discussed is Mona Sal, who's going to be with me to talk about next week's debate. But before we get into any of that, I got to take you to the UN. I got to take you to New York City, because that's where today's events kind of kicked off. And uh, amongst some of this was President Obama's final address to the United Nations. I made I managed to make it through about, I don't know, five minutes of this anti-American, anti-capitalist swill that went on at the U.N. I'm going to read you just a couple of the highlights, a couple of the one-liners from the stand-up comedy routine that took place today because it kind of bears in mind the uh, other topics of the day that I'm going to be discussing, in particular, coming up in a moment with Robert Spencer. One of the things that he said today, of course, this was all about his list of accomplishments, right? He says, we've taken away terrorist strongholds. Really? Really? He, he went on to say, we resolved, quote, we resolved the Iran nuke issue with diplomacy. Interesting. See, I thought it involved a little, you know, money laundering and 1.4 you know, billion dollars of American taxpayer dollars. He went on to talk about how he, he somehow is taking credit for the, quote, collapse of colonialism and communism. Really? When did you bring down the Castro's? Was that while you were at the baseball game down there? And I think Americans were actually under attack at the time that that happened, by the way. You, you took down China? When did this happen? I'm not even aware of that. And what was the colonialism that he, that he took out? It's absolutely absurd. The one thing that, one statement that he did make that I agree with was that he, as he was attempting to demonize the right who wants to get a handle on the reckless immigration policies that are leading to our destruction, he accused us of wanting to be, quote, free of outside contamination. You're dang right we want to be free of contamination coming in from the outside in the form of the importation of Islamic terrorism. But what I kept thinking about as I was listening to the speech was a far more important speech that he gave to the United Nations on the heels of another terrorist attack on America on the anniversary of 9-11. Not only did they leave Americans to die, not only in Benghazi, not only did they launch a cover-up on it, but they specifically chose to scapegoat our First Amendment rights. That's why they chose a video for their cover-up. And what did he do weeks after knowing it was a terrorist attack and lying to the American people? What did he say at the United Nations? He said, the future does not belong to those who slander the Prophet Muhammad. That has been the centerpiece of his foreign policy, the centerpiece of this administration, and it ties in exactly to what is going down right now in America with the increase of these terrorist attacks. Joining me now... Is Robert Spencer. Like I said, you've seen him all over the media, everywhere. He's also, I, I don't know if you know, that he's also written 15 books. He's a part of many organizations that keep their eye on the Islamic Jihad being waged against us. And he's also, as a part of that, he's with uh, Jihad Watch. <clears throat> Excuse me for my voice. Um, his recent book is The Complete Infidel's Guide to Iran. And again, remember, Obama claimed you know, credit for solving that nasty Iran problem today. Robert Spencer, welcome to the Andre K show.
0: Hey, great to be here. Thank you.
3: Um, So let's bring everybody up to speed so far in the investigation that's going on with these terrorist attacks. I'm sure you're up on it. So I've got a question for you because um, I heard earlier before I came into the show that quote investigators are searching for a motive, Robert. They're not sure what happened here. Do you have any ideas? (laughs)
0: <laughs> There's no doubt that this was an Islamic jihadi. This is as absurd as if we were hearing on December 8th, 1941, that uh, the uh, Japanese, that some Japanese planes struck Pearl Harbor, and authorities are searching for a motive, and they, uh, President Roosevelt cautions us against the, uh, uh, jumping to conclusions and painting all Japanese with a broad brush. Uh, this is a war, and every time there is a strike in this war from the enemy, the uh, the enemy, the uh, the enemies in the mainstream media pretend and in the government, for that matter, Barack Obama and so on, they pretend that this as, uh it's a completely inexplicable thing and that they have to figure out from square one what it's all about when actually it's just one more attack in a long war that we do not admit is being fought.
3: And not only that, Robert, but they, they go even to the next step. And, and the first thing that they do is seek to silence, to take away our First Amendment rights. Not only do they try to, to hide the reality from us, but then they come out and they say, if you start connecting the dots, Americans, and if you start speaking about what those dots are connected to, You know, shame on you. And oh, by the way, you might even have to face a little prosecution down the road. After San Bernardino happened, Loretta Lynch actually threatened people with prosecution for hate speech against Islam.
0: Yes, this is very serious. There is an ongoing attempt to demonize, stigmatize, marginalize and ultimately silence through legal means uh, those who speak honestly about this threat. And that's the opposite of the other side of the coin of all this willful ignorance and denial that we see after every Jihad attack. Uh, and it seems clear that uh, they want to make sure that nobody will dare to speak out about this. And uh, apparently there is at a, a very high levels an attempt to make sure that nobody says anything about this that the jihad can advance unimpeded and unopposed and anybody who would speak doesn't dare for fear of being prosecuted and persecuted
3: right in fact we had a five-year-old girl in idaho who was gang raped by migrants immigrants That were refugees brought here, been in this country for less than two years. The medical records were intentionally withheld from the family and the local assistant U.S. attorney threatened prosecution for anybody who spoke out against Islam. This is the worst kind of tyranny and oppression on the American people. And we must speak out about it. Nani Darwish told me on the fifth anniversary of 9-11, we are handing our country over on a platter of political correctness and we must be courageous enough to name the enemy and its location. Who is the enemy, Robert? Can we can we have the courage to say it here on, on my show? Well,
0: sure, we're we're fighting against Islamic Jihad. This is a Jihad against the uh, United States, and this is a Jihad against the free world. And it's coming from Islam. The Islamic faith is it teaches warfare against unbelievers and the subjugation of unbelievers under the rule of Islam and Muslims. And thus we are facing a religious uh, religiously based and very explicitly delineated uh, struggle from Muslims. And we have to deal with that. We have to speak about that honestly and deal with it for what it is or we are going to continue to lose because if you do not diagnose the problem correctly, you can't give the proper solution.
3: Exactly. And that's one reason why when the FBI, we've got this, if you're just join, joining me, this is the Andrew Show, and We're talking to Robert Spencer. Um, after San Bernardino, we found out uh, that um, family members had known and didn't say anything. So, you know, the thing was, you know, see something, say something. The father of this man went to the FBI in 2014 and said, my son's a terrorist.
0: There you go. They, they did. Mean, we we not only FBI have a government.
3: They didn't do a thing. Just the same FBI. Mm-hmm. Bear with me as I connect the dots. The same FBI that refused to prosecute Hillary Clinton after she violated the Espionage Act. The the same FBI that that interviewed the Sarnayev brothers, who also were brought here as refugees, left this country, went to terrorist training camps, were interviewed by people on return, and we're given free reign back into this country because we also have a Department of Homeland Security and an FBI uh, that have all been told that they're not allowed to speak words like jihad and Sharia. We know that after Orlando, and what was also the commonality with Orlando? That man's father was brought here from Afghanistan and was still in support of the Taliban, actually even doing YouTube videos in support of Islamic jihad against this country. So that also brings me round circle to the other dots that we can connect here, which what is an underpinning issue here? bringing these migrants here into this country, correct?
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. And this is, I think, one of the other reasons why the political and media elites are so desperate to silence the truth about this, that it would show up the Muslim migrant policies that Obama has been pursuing and that the European governments are pursuing as being something that's nothing short of suicidal, uh, societally and culturally. And so to keep people complacent and ignorant about the nature and magnitude of what we're facing, they are trying to forcibly silence those who the, uh, uh they're f- trying to forcibly silence those who speak the truth about this.
3: i tell you who they're not silencing, though. You're right about keeping us ignorant. Sebastian Gorka said, one of my favorite lines, he said, the term lone wolf is meant to make you stupid. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that they try to get over on us. Well, we, you know, we don't know it's terrorism yet because we haven't connected this to some foreign group, as though that's the, you know, uh, accepted conventional wisdom that, you know, unless you're tied to somebody on the ground with a group name across the country, it's not Islamic terrorism. Uh, you know who they don't try to silence, Robert? They don't try to silence people like the mosque that this person went to in New Jersey. This mosque, whose imam, is part of the Islamist group called Islamic Circle of North America. You know who ICNA is?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Igna is a, a group that openly promotes Sharia, the rule of Islamic law, which denies the freedom of speech, the freedom of conscience, the equality of rights of all people before the law. It is a group tied to the Muslim Brotherhood and to Hamas. And it is uh, a very deeply unsavory group. But, of course, uh, that's just not a problem for our authorities these days.
3: Absolutely. See, they can print 300 pages of uh, a, quote, teaching guide that tells ICNA supporters it is... um, it, it, it goes into detail about who's behind their particular movement, but the Clarion Project wrote about this teaching guide in 2014, and they say that it, it, what's it's got it's full of quotes about defeating the West, reinstating the caliphate system, establishing theocratic Sharia law through deception, infiltrating the political system, and following an incremental strategy of gradualism towards these ends. This is what is that Nani Darwish also told me: the definition of Islam is submission. It's about conquest. That's what's going on here. We're not allowed to speak. Out against the threat that we face, but they're allowed to put out that propaganda in a mosque without anybody investigating. What I think that we need to do, and I've been saying for a long time on the Andrea K. Show, is that we need to stop giving them religious protections. If their stated goal is political, why why do we put them as a political as a religious organization, giving them religious protections? I think we need to declare them a political organization, a political movement, strip them of their religious freedoms, and start investigating them and route them out and get them out of our country.
0: Well, groups like that, absolutely. They are working for actively subversive ends. They want to replace the U.S. Constitution with Islamic law, and they, uh, they, they really make no secret about that. So you're absolutely right. This is activity that ought to be considered seditious. But this administration obviously has no interest in doing that, and so they are able to operate unhindered and even in many places coddled by authority.
3: Uh, speaking of, um, sedition, I think it was seditious that the Obama administration, uh, committed money laundering. And I'm not the only one to, to say that, um, who was it from, uh, Mike Pompeo says the Obama administration laundered cash payments to Iran, uh, through the Federal Reserve Bank of New York that moved it then to a Swiss national bank account. Um, you've written a book called the complete infidel's, infidel's guide to Iran. Um, what do you want people to know about this Iran situation? That he considered today in his speech to be one of his successes.
0: It's not a success. It's a disaster. It's going to get worse. We will be paying the consequences of this agreement for many years to come, especially when Iran gets the nuclear bomb and uses it. And uh, it's all because of Barack Obama and this agreement that gives us essentially nothing and gives them essentially a green light to get the bomb. And then, of course, he's been financing it, which means a, a sharp increase in the financing of jihad terror groups funded by Iran around the world, which include uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and Mm -hmm. Palestinian Islamic Jihad and others. And so he has contributed a tremendous amount of uh, money as well as weaponry and training to those who have vowed to destroy us. If that's not treason, I don't know what is.
3: Well, you know, he quoted that, he, that this is one of his successes. He says he has resolved the Iran nuke issue. Well, I, I guess if, if your definition of resolving the issue was that you wanted to help them and pay for them to get a nuclear weapon against America and Israel, okay, yeah, I guess you did resolve that, Obama. How can people get your book and read more of your work?
0: Andrea, it's at any self-respecting bookstore and at amazon.com, and I have 14 other books about various aspects of the jihad threat that are also at Amazon and any self-respecting bookstore, and I am at jihadwatch.org with news and commentary daily about jihad activity.
3: Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it.
0: Thank
3: you. All right. We got more of this on the other side of the break. We're going to be talking to Mona Sal coming up in a minute about the debates, because this, of course, is going to be hot. We already know what Hillary Clinton's, what her angle is, that, that Obama, that uh, Trump doesn't have the temperament uh, to handle the war on terror. We all know that that ain't true. She's the one who's got the temperament issues. We, we saw what went down with Benghazi. She didn't care enough to save Americans. We're going to talk about that on the other side
1: of the break.
4: Say the words you long to hear.
1: sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
3: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
1: you're listening to the andrea k show on am 1170 the answer
3: welcome back to the andrea k show we are moving along here as we're covering all the ground in fact we're taking you to next monday right now on the andrea k show because joining me is my gal mona calling in from new york city to talk about the debates next week hey mona Hey, what's going on? Well, first of all, before I even get into the debates, I heard, I heard a not-so-funny joke this morning. I don't know if you heard, but did you hear that there's a former, quote, Republican president who, uh, the same one who actually lost re-election to a skeezer in uh, 92 and is now actually saying he's going to vote for that skeezer's wife? Did you hear that joke? Yep. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on that, Mona? Was that
2: funny to you? Did you laugh? I think it's disgusting that these so-called Republicans, um, because his son lost badly to the now presumptive nominee, that he can't let bygones be bygones, unite with the party, because it's not what the president is at stake, it's the the country that's at stake right now. So for him to be like, lose to her husband over 20-some-odd years ago, 26 years ago, and he he can't hold that grudge, but he can hold a grudge that his son lost, and unite the party, I find it despicable. I think it's despicable, too.
3: And I think it's just one
2: more reason for me uh,
3: that this is absolutely the solution to somebody from the outside. Because I also, I agree with you there. I think that there's anger uh, towards the voters. There's a, like a contempt for us. We're the little people, Mona. How dare somebody choose somebody besides the anointed one, Yeb, who we were supposed to, you know, we're supposed to anoint that dynasty. And that's what this is about. This is about, it's gotten to where it's us versus them, the elites versus the little guy down here. It's become a one-party, elitist, one-world government, new world, world order system, 41. You hear Obama this morning at the UN trampling all over <clears throat> the capitalism in favor of communism and globalism and, and national control and national government. Well, who was one of the first people to give a speech on that? It was 41 back at his State of the Union address. And, you know, so we've we've got an... In- One-party system entrenched us versus them, and we. but we have a chance with an outsider to kind of take things back for the people, but we only have about 50 days left. Some people are saying that the debates next Monday are going to be the end-all, be-all. I don't think the first debate is, because Romney supposedly won the first debate hands down last time, and because of that, he kind of decided to coast, and look what ended up happening. What do you think?
2: I think the first debate is going to be make-all, or break-all, because everybody over 100 million i guarantee you is going to tune into this debate because they want to see a man and a woman debate it's the first time in anybody's history they're going to see a presidential candidate a man versus female they want to see how donald trump is going to react towards hillary and they want to see how hillary is going to push his button that's the number one um reason of watching this uh debate also they're going to see how he's gonna how does he debate without a teleprompter because lately the past two months with a teleprompter he's been amazing he's on point he's on key he's perfect everybody that's why his poll numbers have been rising and Hillary is just coughing up the storm (laughs) so they want to see how how he's gonna react and then also you also have a liberal moderator remember the last the forum was Matt Lawler but you know Matt Lawler was actually against Hillary Clinton supposedly and they want to see how if MSNBC is gonna have retaliation does the Clinton have MSNBC in her pocket and we're going to retaliate for what happened in early months forum.
3: I think that's an interesting point because if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Andrea Kay show and I'm talking to Mona Sal about next Monday's debate. I think that Matt Lauer doing what he did against Hillary in the commander in chief forum. I think that's what we, what is referred to in in the sales world as softening the mark for the con. I think that that was to lull Trump into submission a little bit and thinking that, you know, he he was going to get a fair shake going into this debate. There should be nobody under any aspersions to think that he's going to get a fair shot from any moderator. And in fact, I think that's why we, And I've been saying this for a long time that we need to, and I agree with Trump, we need to get away from these moderators, get, put it, use an intern, an unpaid intern to set a clock, give them a topic and give them each, you know, a certain amount of time and let them discuss it. I don't need somebody, nor do I want somebody to try to do the thinking for me and decide what I, what questions should be asked. And especially somebody like Megyn Kelly and the very first Republican debate to, stir up the phony Republican war on women. And you're absolutely right that Trump is going to be be viewed through the lens of how respectful he's going to be to her, regardless of the fact that that woman has shown absolutely no respect for the American citizens in calling those who, who support Trump deplorables, irredeemable, and nothing but a bunch of racist hate mongers. Trump is also right, and I think he needs to point this out in the debate, that she has far harsher words to say against American, against American voters than you know, she does against Radical Islamists. Here is two of the topics, and I want to get your take on this. Uh, very, they made things very nice in general because that's how liberals love to present their policies—no specifics, just what can fit on a bumper sticker, and you know, uh, get to people's emotions. American prosperity. What the heck does that even mean, American prosperity?
2: Right. Well. Yeah, I I wouldn't blame the liberals. It's really the debate of the presidential uh, committee that um, announced the the three topics that are going to be an upcoming debate. So it's going to be American prosperity, which is economics uh, tied into American security. So after what's been going on this past weekend and what's been going on this past um, six months, you know, economics, supposedly, like, you know, under Obama, like, the economy is growing. There's 50, he has 50 million jobs. I don't know where I've seen 50 million jobs. And everything is fine and dandy, and ISIS is a JV team. And look what we just saw over the weekend with New Jersey, New York, and uh, Missouri. So everything is going to be tied. These three topics are all going to tie that it together. It's a 90-minute, no commercial debate, uh, six minutes, I mean, six segments divided into 15 minutes. And it's going to be the bias those two, those three. I think that
3: I think that with this debate, yeah, it's going to be tied into those. I think that the tough spot for Hillary is that she can't convince people that their eyes aren't seeing what they're seeing, which is the fact that the cost, uh, cost of a loaf of bread has doubled since Obama took office. The fact that people are out of work. You you know when you're out of work and you ain't getting any money. You know when you can't get a job. You can't lie to me and tell me, if I'm out of work, that, you know, you've created 50 million jobs when people are hurting. You also can't lie to, to the American people and tell them, like Obama tried to do today, that the world's a safer place, when the new normal that we're expected to accept is you know having these you know recurrent terrorist attacks. What she, so so for her what she needs to do is keep it generalized keep it with platitudes like you know the republicans are all just like she's already done she's going to have to double down on the deplorable comments that if you don't if you want to seal the border you hate brown people if you don't want to increase you know welfare uh, you hate poor people. If you don't want to go to a single-payer health care system, you hate sick people. That's the only thing that she's got that she can play out. She's got to demonize the corporate business people. For Trump, all he needs to do is do what she said. He, and I hope Kellyanne Conway, who I think is absolutely brilliant, she needs to keep him on point with stacks and figures. And the truth that the American people already see right before their eyes, he needs to not let himself get baited into anything with her to where he comes across as the mean, nasty woman hater,
2: Right. Exactly. And um, I don't think she's going to only blame the Republicans. She's going to, like you saw over the weekend during the press conference, she blamed Donald Trump's rhetoric on the Islamic terrorism. So she's going to find a way to push his butt. I I, I, can, I, will rub a base and I put my money on this, that she's going to find a way to push his butt. And you're right. Kellyanne, ha- I hope it's in the, the next five days when they're prepping him for his debate, because right now he's campaigning. She's home sleeping. God knows if she's prepping for the debate or she's actually sleeping. <laughs> for the next five days when he has time but he's out there like crazy like tomorrow he has a town hall with Hannity um, he's in Ohio tomorrow and he's in um, a few other states before the, um, the Mondays of debate that they prep him to the point that if she does push his button he's there calm, collective and cool and mm-hmm. remind the, uh, the 100 million of viewers out there that what has the past eight years have brought to you um, right. what has she done Look what she's done in the Middle East. You know, look what has she done as Secretary of State. You know, she's bringing the Trump Foundation, um, his uh, organization with, like, you know, using money to pay politicians. She's done the same thing, too. It's 10 times worse as Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. And even her husband said yesterday in the last uh, Clinton initiative meeting that he's holding, said, yeah, we, we've done it. He admitted it yesterday. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. has to remind these people, like, this Clinton paid the play the... It's played out, and this is the reason why America is not the top global power like the ACB. We're like second to none compared to other people. We're under threat by Iran with the nuclear deal. Um, South uh, Korea, where um, you have Obama praising them and then bashing them in the UN general meeting. Mm-hmm. You have uh, ISIS growing from left to right, and we don't know what we're doing what we're saying, but he all needs we're doing to- is blaming right. uh, the voters, Right. that the reason this is why Trump is where he's at today. No, it's because of the clan uh, Obama administration. Right.
3: He I, I think I. one of the things that I'm feeling good about is that all this time that he spent on the teleprompter quoting facts and facts and facts. You look at that one hour and 15 minute speech that he gave on the military and foreign policy that you were you say those things over and over and over again. And it becomes a part of you. Don't, it, it's it's part of your muscle reflex now. It's he's got that mm-hmm. he just needs to. In fact, what I think he should do if I were a part of his team, I would tell him you marginalize her. Never look at her. You address the people. You speak to the people. There's a reason why Barack Obama tried to demonize today the greedy, ugly, populist movement, because, you know, he's got he's got to shame us. He's got to shame us, and he knows it's working. That's why he's trying to trot out the shame game. Trump needs to look at the people, speak to the people, not speak to the moderator. He needs to not look at Hillary. He needs to address her and her crimes and what she's done. He needs to get out Benghazi, the Clinton Foundation, the email scandals, how she violated the Espionage Act. But he should never address her directly. He needs to speak to the American people. I got to leave it there, Mona. How can people read your blogs and, and
2: get more of you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at monasalama underscore and on Facebook, Mona Salama. Thanks for being here, doll. 85 All right.
3: We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the economics, about what's going on around here in the world and some of the issues. You know, when I put it out there to the listeners, what do you guys want me to talk about this week? The war on terror? And economics and jobs. Joining me in my next segment is my girl Julie Mills Brennan to talk about real estate. Real estate is usually the one of the top uh, leading economic indicators. And then we got to talk to my man Al about some overseas shenanigans with foreign workers. This is the Andrea K Show. Don't go anywhere.
1: Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, Kay, spelled K A
5: Y E. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com. Or call today, 877-749-3533.
1: you're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM1170 The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show.
6: One,
3: two. Y'all know that song. Y'all know that that means it coming up in a little bit is my man Al Arias, the OG of the CPAs here in San Diego. But before that, I gotta talk to my girl Julie Mills Brennan, you know, economics. We're going, we got a debate next Monday. We're going into an election. The top two issues, the war on terror and economics. Supposedly, I, I studied economics in school. It's not my number one thing, but supposedly the number one leading economic indicator is the real estate market, which is supposedly doing incredibly well here in San Diego, which makes me very happy because y'all know that it's a passion of mine. So I got my girl, Julie Mills Brennan, here with me today. Julie, you f- welcome back to the show, first of all. Thank you, Andrea. Um, you found an article that you forwarded to me that fascinated me. It fascinated me because it had to do with different markets actually around the nation. Uh, tell everybody about that.
6: Well, basically, they were talking about what markets have gone up in value in California and across the country, uh, in terms of you know who's making the most money, what what markets are really doing the best, and and what they're finding is is that uh, the some of the housing markets are doing so phenomenal that everyone's doubling their money and other markets aren't really making any money. So it you know, they're just not getting any improvement in value. Which well, is that... steady?
3: Okay, well, is that is that news, though? See, that's one of the reasons why I was kind of curious why this article came out, because to me, isn't that kind of what America's always been about? We've always had some areas, like here in San Diego, where everybody wants to live, because we've got oceans here, we've got amazing views, we've got, a, you know, a booming economy. Uh, you go to places like Iowa, and it ain't so much the case, right?
6: Exactly. I mean, it does totally make sense. It's just that they're saying that it's double. I mean, it's not even just, it's like, it's, it's double what, what the other parts of the country are making. So basically people are in California and these other desired markets like Seattle and Portland and Miami and Honolulu are are just sitting on gold mines, you know, and the rest of the country, you just sort of not.
3: (laughs) Well, it's almost kind of, it seems like it's kind of mirroring what's going on with the rest of our economy to where the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer and the gap between the two gets bigger. So then you got to kind of look and say, well, what's the reason for that? Um, I think one of the reasons for it is because in some of the areas that are traditionally, like I've got family in Ohio, (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, I've got family there that's got, that one family member that's got a home that cost about 250000 that would be $2 million here. But it's like, of course, that's not going to go much, up much in value because the demand to live there is so low, and that's one of the reasons why it costs so much less to live there. And so, I on the one hand, I get that, but on the other hand, I'm not really sure why what the article gets into is why some areas are actually doubling and there's more of a stagnation. And I think that then it starts to, unfortunately, people start to kind of want to come up with oversimplified solutions to solve the problem. To me, part of the problem is, is when you get into these heartland areas, that's where so much of the manufacturing jobs have been shipped overseas, where we've lost a lot of our industry. There's a lot of urban plans to try to move us into urban areas to get us out of uh, those suburban areas. And that all affects the, the real estate markets in those areas. I, I, but then again, how do we explain that New York City? Like the number one urban area doesn't have the doubling of the values, right?
6: Yeah, no, that's exactly, that's what I was wondering as well, because I mean, I know when I was just in Manhattan not long ago, the, the values were crazy, and just to rent a one-bedroom apartment was about $4,000, one of the, the waitresses told us, so that we was crazy. But the main factors driving up the home values is income growth and housing supply. Okay. And that's just the way it is. And you're right; it's just being in the more desirable areas. But it is interesting because actually San Diego is on the list, of course, it's right. number nine out of right. ten, mm-hmm. and San Francisco, which we all know is a fortune, is number one on the list. So, right. Well, uh, one of the things so it's been on the list, number one on the list since 1986.
3: Right. Well, one of the things that concerns me when a report like this comes out is that you've always got people that want, they see a problem for Americans because the article talks about how that when if you've got families that have properties in these high equity areas, they're going to leave that to the next generation and the next generation is going to be better off than somebody who inherited a home uh, from a family that was owned in El Cajon, for example, compared to say Rancho Santa Fe. And so then you have these people with good intentions who think, well, maybe what we need to do, government officials... Is We need to do something to even things up, like low-cost housing uh, projects in higher equity areas, subsidies for lower-income people to have a chance to live in these areas. And to me, those are the kinds of policies that, 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 for example, the Obama administration has put out recently that end up hurting everybody in the long run. Because, you know, to me... Uh, it could it could end up hurting people because that could end up you put a low cost housing project in an area like Rancho Santa Fe and that's going to bring down property values to everybody. So everybody ends up getting hurt in that scenario.
6: Correct? Correct. True. But I, I, you know, I don't think that a, a low house housing project would probably get approved in Rancho Santa Fe. <laughs> I
5: see what you're saying.
6: Yeah, I'm I using an extreme analogy there. Um, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. And I mean, the biggest thing is that, you know what, if you're you know, some people are just going to be priced out of the market here, as sad as it is. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I think eventually in a couple of years that it's going to go down again and maybe we can get some more homeowners in here. But the interest rates really have been helping everything, which has been great.
3: Well, and, you know, I'm I'm sure that, and, you know, I know that you had mentioned to me earlier that there was some expectation that the Fed might raise rates, but I can't imagine that it would jump them up to where that would be prohibitive, the reason why somebody couldn't afford to buy. I'm sure you haven't been a real estate agent here in San Diego for as many years as you've had that and the the while we've had ups and downs it's been a, the, one of the top 10 areas since 86 I'm sure you have a strategy to help people like I have friends of mine that bought a, a starter home in an area a lot of people wouldn't want to live in save their pennies live very frugally and were able to buy in La Jolla now they've got a lot of equity that they can leave their family members I, I'm sure that you have like long-term strategies to help people buy and then get into these higher areas correct?
6: Exactly. And that's what I say. You know what? I always tell all my clients that first-time home buyers that are just scraping by, you know what? Just get into something. Start gaining some equity. Get the mortgage deduction and, and just start little. And I said, this doesn't have to be your dream home, your, end, you know, your ending place. Let's start here and then let's build your equity, hopefully. I mean, it's not a guarantee. Right. But we know it's a potential gain versus renting is a, is a guaranteed loss. Right. So, you know, I mean, that's what we do. I just put someone in a condo. I told you just recently worked for about $3,000 total. And I just said, you know what, let's put you there for two, three years, gain some equity because I still believe there's some equity in this market. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to move you up to another house. And they were thrilled. And I'm going to keep in touch with them and. Right. What's going to happen? And that's something
3: that's, I remember back in the 80s and the 90s, you know, buying a condo was considered to be, you know, something you didn't want to do because it didn't have, you know, as much resale value. I absolutely think that's wrong. I think that things have borne out in San Diego to prove that a condo is a great first step to getting into these prime areas. I don't think the solution is, you know, any other kind of intervention. You know, I think the real estate market needs to stay free like every other market. And I don't know if you agree with me there, but I, I just oh, think, I
6: absolutely yeah,
3: do. I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, intervention is not going to help the real estate professional professionals, whether they're seller, uh, you know, real estate agents like yourself or in the home building industry, you know, like my family. How can people get in touch with you?
6: Uh, they can get in touch with me at 619-992-7113 or homes by Julie at Cox.net. I would love to help. Them.
3: Thanks so much for being here.
6: Okay. Thanks so much, Andrea. Have a great day. You too. All right. If you're
3: just tuning in, this is the Andrea Acacia, by the way, and this is my economic segment. I just love me some real estate so much. If I if I had the time, I'd be at every open house. On weekends, just because I just love it so much. One of the government it. it, it uh, interventions that I'm concerned about. and Joining me now is Al Arias. Is Al? I'm concerned about when you hear about articles like this, which is meant to make people feel bad for um, families that don't have property values in areas like you live in. Because I know where you live. Al's got nice property well, you live to live
4: <laughs>
3: But that makes government think. You know what? it to even things out, we got to we got to start doing it, some increase on the estate tax. We got to start getting at people to even the score a little bit. But you don't seem to be concerned about the estate tax. No. Well, I'm concerned about it. And that's why I've got to, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Rod Hatley, from the Hatley Law Group, because that is something that I'm concerned about, because I personally know people that, you know, you wouldn't think that uh, that tax, tax and the estate tax would affect... Um, moderate income people, but it can. Because if you don't have your property where it needs to be, you can cause some harm to your family. If you want to take care of your family, don't just buy insurance, health insurance or life insurance. Get estate planning done for your family. That's the lecture off my soapbox. Call Rod Hatley at Hatley Law Group. Okay, so Al. You're a CPA. Uh, I come across an article that in Ohio, that McDonald's, the McDonald, now we know that they've been suffering a little bit, you know, trying to keep up in the in uh, junk food fast food game, but I guess their way now to try to save five hundred million dollars is to lay off a whole lot of people like you, white collar professionals, to bring in under these foreign worker visas people that they can pay a lot less to.
5: They're hiring an outside source, so they. The situation here yeah. is much more than remarked on in the article. Oh, really? It's far more complex. Okay. Okay. So, um, but yeah, let's going to simple be able for the able people, though. Some money. Yeah. Oh, what, simplifying.
3: Yeah, I want to simplify. It's,
5: it's not simple, but here's the the drill. Okay. This is happening throughout uh, the United States, right? Including small business. For example, <clears throat> in my own case, I have sixteen employees. Two, our H one B visa people. What's in it for me? What's in it for me is a long commitment. I have to sponsor them. There's certain costs incurred in the sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I get them for three years, and their stay can be extended six additional years. So I have a commitment Mm -hmm. from uh, qualified employees for not because. When well, we have US, Americans
3: out of work, Al. You
5: know, we have Americans do not stay anywhere for nine years, period.
3: So you get, so the benefit for you is that you get uh, a, a commitment from them that they will stay with you longer. You can't sign an, in. A, a, and a,
5: a, that they have in, immense talent. These people have master's degrees. Well, that's and a different have... issue.
3: That Let me interrupt you there. That's a different issue because I understand that there's a lot of high tech. Uh, I've been to Geek Girl Conference here uh, that's, it, that's trying to get people trained in coding and different tech jobs that we have a shortage of high tech, highly skilled, highly educated people in America. We absolutely do have that Shortage, but when you're talking about McDonald's laying off little little accountants that aren't they're not the type of people that you're hiring. They're doing, and then on top of not only did they did they get rid of these people, but they actually sought federal taxpayer funds to compensate the people they fired. I I don't want to be paying for that. Yeah, (laughs) but let's come on on now. Let's stay
5: on the H one B issue. Okay, okay. They're not getting little people. They get they're getting people that are specialized that have. High capacities, Mm -hmm. that they're the equivalent of executives. It's not rank and file people that you hire with an H-1B visa.
3: No, it was rank and file people that Disney hired down in Florida and and forced the American workers to train them. They were rank and file people. I'm not prepared to
5: talk about (laughs) that. But I'm prepared to talk about this issue. And all I'm saying Mm -hmm. is that there's way more here than is apparent. But the idea of H-1B has benefits for for the U.S. and has definite benefits for employers. The benefit is that we keep highly capable people that have had the benefit of education in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You have to be educated in the U.S. You have to get your degree from accredited universities, et cetera, et cetera, in the U.S., Mm -hmm. right? And then they go back to their country and the country's, benefit from those capacities i
3: don't know to me it it, it to me i don't like it all. i gotta be honest i don't like well, it. You, you know don't, why you i don't, don't like, like I you don't,
5: don't like l- the 70,000 people are out of a job.
3: No, I don't like that.
5: No, however, of course. however, well, I don't I, like it either. Well, I, I'm just saying let that me get it's to not my, a are, one-way street. No,
3: it's not, but let me tell you this cuz we are we're, we're running short on time. The outside contractor involved was Genpact, which is a spit off, spin off of General Electric. Do you remember who Obama's Jobs Are was? See what bu- bugs me so much about this is that President Obama ran back in 2008, one of the key economic things that they had was about the outsourcing of jobs. Well, who was involved in this? Obama's Jobs Are. Remember General Electric? That, the, the guy from General Electric was his jobs are who then went and set up shop over in China and who is the biggest owner of this Genpact Bain Capital Mitt Romney his guy so I I, I got to extend this segment though for a second um, Polly for one more minute because I got to switch gears just a little bit because if we're gonna you know uh, the Obama speech this morning at the UN was about trashing capitalism it was about in favor of globalism and uh, so of course. Um, What was a part of globalism, and and I don't know if you had a chance to look at the second article that I sent you, Uh, but NAFTA, one, one of the reasons why the American people liked what Trump had to say was because the American people, they can see their eyes, they know that these trade deals are costing us jobs. What was a huge job killer was NAFTA. Did you hear what Bill Clinton had to say? He said, the problem wasn't NAFTA, the problem was you horrible quote, activist investors.
5: Yeah, but (laughs) did you see the last line? No. (laughs) This is straight out of Trump's playbook. We have to have the right kind of trade deals. Yeah. So he's a mixed message guy. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. So the thing about Trump is he gives a pretty pure message almost all the time Mm -hmm. and it can be understood.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, In terms of it, let me finish up with this. When we have... Uh, huge unemployment numbers like we have. I'm for a free market system. I think that I, should, I believe in at-will employment. I think I should be able to hire whoever I want, and I think I should be able to fire whoever I want at any time. When it comes, though, to bringing in foreign workers, I don't want my taxpayer dollars used. If you want to go and hire somebody with an H-1B visa, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't decided yet whether or not. I want to put this out to my listeners. What do you guys think about this? Are you on our side of this, or are you on my side of this? Well, I, no,
5: I'm, on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on a side. You have to understand what's going on. There's a limitation on these visas, 65,000 per year, but mm-hmm. there are exceptions. So all of these rules, mm-hmm. if you want to be, um, if you want to have a better result from your point of view, mm-hmm. look at the exceptions. Mm-hmm. 65,000 a year is not going to have a claim. It's not even going to handle the Ohio situation that involves yeah. 70,000. Yeah. And these e- are dispersed throughout the United right. States.
3: Yeah, the, the bottom line it's is the this. the exceptions
5: from- that get right. them to the 800,000.
3: Right. Um, at the end of the day, our, our unemployment issues are not really as a result of these foreign workers working here. The re- One of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it is because it's w- it it's an area that the left likes to tug at people emotionally on, uh, the outsourcing of jobs and evil corporations. Um uh, you you know, I, 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 but ultimately, as much as I don't like uh, what McDonald's did here, it's not the biggest issue that we have with unemployment. And if you've got in, you know, it's your job as an empl- as a worker to make sure that you've got skills to compete. Because if you've got skills to compete then you don't have to worry as much about finding a job. But we must have economic policies, that, it, including the, the uh, getting rid of the regulations that are really what is the cause of the slowdown of our economy. Well, it's, now the the nail on the head. it's the regulations <laughs> that are really the biggest problem. That we, the rest of it is more just symptomatic. The real issue that we have for unemployment in this country is um, the regulations, correct?
5: Well, we, we also have an issue of uh, culture uh, the millennial, millennial culture is leaving our workforce extremely movable, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's from the employer's standpoint, it's very troublesome mm-hmm. to spend a lot of money oh, yeah. uh, teaching somebody how to be a professional. And you have them for a very short period of time, not even three years, and they're off to another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, this is a very costly thing. Mm-hmm. And this H-1B attacks that. So there's pluses and minuses, minuses all over the place. Gotcha.
3: Yeah. Well, it is complicated and it's not as, as simple as as to make it. How can people get a hold of you? Because y- you, you, you understand the complex and that's what you consult with businesses on. How can people get a hold of you?
5: aviarius and co aviariusco.com or 619-296-2123 ask for al
3: ask for al hey don't go anywhere coming back i've got my awards for hero of the week last week's fullness this week's tool and i've got an announcement the one that you all have been waiting for
1: You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170,
3: The Answer.
0: Thank you. I see
3: the Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. A little CCR there. Perfect bumper music song for my announcement, Polly. And I hope that my announcement, I put it out there that I had a big announcement this weekend for the Andrea Kay Show. And, you know, love you all so much. The guesses that you had out there far surpassed, I think, the size of the announcement or my capabilities. Love you all so much. Um, But I'm still thrilled about this announcement um, because... um, uh, to me, it's, it is a milestone in, in my career. You're probably going to laugh when I tell you what it is, though. I am. Y'all know that I'm Donuts and Dynamite. Uh, donuts are a passion of mine. And I am so honored that the creative geniuses, and I cannot underscore that enough, of Nomad's Donuts in North Park are actually making a special donut for the Andrea K Show yeah that's awesome thank you that is really I, cool thank you i mean to me you've reached a milestone when there's yeah. like a food item Absolutely. that's not only named about you but created for you
4: i'm waiting for my carne asada burrito to be named after me well yeah
3: well you know and not only are they making a donut for me they're not just doing some like lame old oh gee what what you know what kind of cake do they eat in new orleans you know and make it make a donut no she actually is making a Savory and sweet donut based upon my favorite food of all time, which is red beans and rice. In fact, when I had my tonsils taken out, I don't like ice cream. And when I had my tonsils taken out, they asked me what I wanted to eat. Did I want ice cream? I said, no, I wanted red beans and rice. So my grandma, who worked at the hospital, smuggled me in some. She bootlegged me in some red beans and rice. So I know it sounds crazy, but this is a woman who can make who actually makes donuts out of Jamaican jerk spice, okay? She is a genius. It's gonna have sweet and savory elements, it's gonna be kicked off next week at Nomad's Donuts in North Park. I'm super excited. I'm going to send them around to everybody around the country. If you're in San Diego, go try out the new Andrew and show donut. So excited. Okay. Uh, my awards for this week. Um, it was actually a runner up for last week's fool, this week's tool award, uh, the runner-up was Skittles. I don't know if you all saw. We're talking about the refugee situation here, and Don Jr. actually put out a tweet that we actually made a lot of common sense. He had a bowl of Skittles. He said, "If I gave you this bowl of Skittles and you and told you that I can't remember exactly how he said it, that a few of them were poison, would you grab a handful?" That's the problem with the refugee crisis. Oh my gosh, it, hysteria ensued, uh, and Skittles actually responded by saying that Skittles are candy; they're not people. That really didn't. That really wasn't a good analogy, Don Jr. Are you kidding me, Skittles? You know. And by the way, Skittles, did you come out and say anything after after it was revealed uh, when the Trayvon Martin incident that Skittles and some brand of soda—I don't even remember what it was—were used as a drug combo? I don't remember you being concerned and saying, "Hey, Skittles aren't." aren't supposed to be used for drugs, but they still didn't win my last week's full this week's tool award. No, that went to Chris Hayes from MSNBC who actually tweeted out that the victims of the bombings, yes, bombings. He called them explosives. The victims of the explosives, they were lucky that explosives were explosives were used and not guns. It just doesn't get any more foolish or toolish than that. That's disgusting. But you know who my hero of the week was, My hero of the week actually involved the terrorist attack in Minnesota, the Islamic terrorist attack in Minnesota that's getting almost no media attention. Why? Because they would have to keep talking about the fact that this terrorist was a Muslim from Somali, a, a refugee who was brought here and attacked Americans in a mall in the name of Allah. And they don't want to have to do that. And they also don't want to have to tell you that that terrorist attack via knife was stopped by a good guy with a gun and not just a good guy with a gun, a hero with a gun. And why is he a hero? Because he's more than what the media is telling you. They're telling you that he's just a former uh, police chief and off-duty police officer. No, he's more than that. He's a USPSA shooter, three-gunner, an NRA-certified firearms instructor, and he actually has a shooting range. He's the president and owner of Tactical Advantage LLC, a shooting range and tactical training facility with a, quote, strong focus on arming concealed carriers. That's what we need more of in this country. And they know that. And that's why they don't want you to know who this hero was. They don't want you to know know not only who he was, what he was about, and why he was able to stop an Islamic terrorist. Because just like Chris Hayes said, they want you so much to focus on gun control. They don't want you to focus on what the real enemy is. And it's Radical Islam. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you to all my guests, Robert Spencer, Mona Sal, Julie Mills Brennan. Al Arias. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Polly. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. My website is andreakashow.com. I am here every Tuesday and at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I can also be heard on other networks like Red Nation Rising Network. I go to my website for details on that. Have a great night, everybody. Love you all. (laughs)